0: So are you happy? Sometimes.
1: <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm human, right? So I know all the things that you're supposed to do. I am a happiness expert. Everybody kind of has their own definition of happiness. And the thing that I want to be really clear about is that happiness is not this feeling that you're laughing all the time. That's not happiness. It's much more of like an internal feeling. This is not like a passive feeling sport. This is an active sport that you need to be building that happiness muscle on a day-to-day basis. And I always feel like I can be happier. But the number one thing I would say that generates happiness is...
0: Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams...
1: Companies
0: organizations,
1: and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco-Mathis. And I'm
0: your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your host, on the west coast and today we have a guest on the east coast so on the east coast is jessica weiss jessica is a tedx speaker an organizational leadership expert who uses her humor and tell it like it is style to teach companies across the country why work can and should be a source of happiness and how to create spaces where people love to work She works with leaders to ignite a culture of happiness at work. Hello, Jessica. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Mitch? I am doing great. (laughs) Feeling pretty happy. Okay. Tell us about your story and how you came to devote your life to happiness at work.
1: Well, it is an interesting story. Um, I, I am a happiness expert. And the way that this happened is kind of two, twofold. There was a professional track and there's a personal track. So the personal track really kind of started when I was an undergrad in college. And I was lucky enough to take a class with Dr. Martin Seligman. Now, Dr. Martin Seligman is the forefather, the inventor, the All knowing, all everything uh, leader of this positive psychology movement. And I didn't even know that I was taking a class necessarily about positive psychology, and quite honestly, didn't really. I mean, I knew Dr. Seligman was this amazing professor, but beyond that, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I took this class, and the first day of class, he said, You know, we have spent in the world of psychology, we have spent years and decades and decades studying what's wrong with people. How about we turn that? We flip it on its head and we say, let's study what's right with people. Let's look at those people who are mentally fit and enjoying everything and happy and satisfied and content and dig in on wellness rather than digging in on illness. And that, when I was an undergrad, I mean, I was like 18 years old, I was fascinated. I thought that that was amazing, right? So I was away at school. I was dealing with my own kind of stuff because when you go to college, you know, stuff sort of happens. And I was fascinated by this idea that we could actually study happiness. So from a very personal perspective, it was just something that I loved. And I would voraciously consume everything. And it was just kind of a personal interest of mine. Now, so that's kind of what was going on in the background. Then um, I got an MBA and I did what every good MBA student does and I became a management consultant and, <laughs> and I went to go work in, you know, big Fortune 500 companies. And the work that I did was around organizational development and culture and specifically it was around creativity and innovation. And it was always around how can we do our job better, how can we help these companies grow, how can we generate more revenue, all of that. But when you peeled back the layers, really what I found, the question that really kind of was the essence of what we were doing was, how do I get better at my job? How do I have more happiness at work, right? Because if I love my work more, I do all of those other things naturally, right? If I'm happy and satisfied in my job, I'm more creative. I'm a better problem solver. I'm a better collaborator. So it was always around how do we help people find more happiness at work? So when my professional life converged with my private, you know, my personal stuff, that's when I knew that I really need to do this happiness, you know, dig in. And really, I devote a hundred percent of my time now to happiness, happiness on a personal level, happiness at work, happiness in teams and in organizations. But I'm a, I'm a huge uh, believer in finding more happiness. So are you happy? Sometimes. (laughs) sometimes, you know, I'm human, right? So I know all the things that you're supposed to do. um, But uh, I certainly try to practice the habits and all of that stuff. So yeah, I would say, you know, more times than not, I'm happy. I certainly have a happier disposition. Like I think that I'm one of those people who sort of has a happier disposition. Um, So yeah, I work on it. I work on it every day. um, And I always feel like I can be happier. So if that's, you know, I'm working on it. How's that?
0: Yeah, no, I wanted to, I really wanted to go into this because as, as our listeners are listening, as listeners do, there, you know, there are, you know, listeners are like, oh, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. Um, And then there are, well, gosh, my happiness goes in in and out. Sure. And so I would want to know, you know, what is our responsibility, I think, uh, for ourselves before we go into uh, on a team's. What's our, respons- what's our responsibility for ourselves and what can we do or what do you do, Jessica, yeah. to, um, to not go in and out of happiness, but yeah. actually over the 50% level? What, what, what does it take to be happy?
1: Well, the truth of the matter is in order to build lasting and sustainable happiness, there are things that you actually need to do. This is not like a passive sport, so to speak. This is an active sport that you need to be building that happiness muscle on a day-to-day basis. Um, And the irony here is we are sort of hardwired to do all of the wrong stuff to be happy, right? We look for it in the wrong places. We assume that if we do certain things, that's going to be what makes us happy. But the truth is mother nature has, has wired us wrong for happiness. Mother nature is much more concerned about other things. Happiness is not her top priority, but after decades and decades of research, right? The science of happiness has told us that there are actual specific things that you can do to build your happiness. It's just that you need to learn what those things are and you need to practice them every single day. Um, So for me, I would say, you know, everybody kind of has their own definition of happiness. And the thing that I want to be really clear about is that happiness is not this feeling that you're laughing all the time, that you're smiling. That's not happiness, right? Happiness is an internal level of satisfaction, contentment, enjoyment. It's not necessarily this laughing, you know, the thing that we kind of get besieged with in the media. It's much more of like an internal feeling. Um, But the number one thing I would say that generates happiness is our friendships, right? Our levels of connection, whether it's with friends, whether it's with family, whether it's at work, whatever it is. But I love to say that friends are magic. Friends are the best predictor of lasting and sustainable happiness. So I have lots of other stuff, but the most important one that we can start with is friendship.
0: Let's start. So let's start there because what I'd love to do is I'd love for you to really you know spell out the connection cuz it, it then it will start to make sense because i do think that um we can come out and we can say hey um you need to um let's say develop happiness at work happiness leads to productivity leads to the results right. okay bye bye right. but i think i like to go deeper which is let's let's connect the dots so friendship leads to happiness mm-hmm. So how would that show up at work? What would I do as a leader to get to happiness through friendship so -hmm. that it would get to productivity? And then I think it starts to all make sense.
1: Right. So work is a brilliant place for friends, right? As we become adults, it becomes much more difficult to make friends. You know, when in my coaching practice and when I go in and I consult with companies and if I talk about friendship, oftentimes what people will say to me is, yeah, we get it. It's great. I understand. But I'm an adult. I got lots of stuff going on. How am I going to go about making friends, right? So work is a brilliant place for this to happen. Right, you see the same people every day. You know, you talk about both important stuff and light stuff. You know, it's it's a brilliant place to meet people. So that's the first thing that I would say about um, friendship and work. It's a great place to make friends. Um, now, in terms of how does this, how we can facilitate friendships at work, right? How can we actually make it happen? Right. So now that becomes, there's three levels, right? There's a personal level of responsibility here. There's a team level of responsibility. And then there's an organizational level of responsibility. So on a very personal level, I would say it is up to you to find, and you know, and this is going to sound super clinical. And unfortunately, a lot of us have like a very romanticized notion about friendships. But the truth is, again, just like happiness, friendship takes planning. Friendship takes doing things. Things don't just like magically appear. We've got to do things to make it happen. So I would say this, the first thing as an individual is I would find, or I would target, so to speak, um, three or five, three to five people that you see at work on a regular basis that you feel, and you know what this feeling is. You feel like you can be friends with them, whatever it is, whether it's some kind of level of commonality, whether they laugh at your job jokes, whatever it is, you know, those people. And I would be super intentional about making more connections on a very personal level with those people. So that's like a very initial thing that we can do on an individual basis. Now, in terms of the team, like facilitating friendships on teams and friendships connections, it's all kind of one in the same, right? I do think that that is the team leader's responsibility. And there's been a whole bunch of research that the the Surgeon General has done, um, Vivek Murthy, right? His whole thing is around this loneliness epidemic and that being lonely is actually more unhealthy than smoking cigarettes. And he talks a great deal about connections at work. And I think there's a lot of points in a team where you can facilitate these connections. So it can start at the very beginning of somebody's journey. I think that lots of teams and organizations as a whole do not do enough when you're onboarding new employees so that they can start to feel connected to the team. And I like to say in my work, when I go in and I work with teams, I say that you need to have an onboarding Sherpa. So, whenever there's a new member that comes to the team, you have literally a guide who will take you along for the ride and that begins, right? Because there's nothing worse that when you show up at work, right? It's that feeling like you're it's the first day at school and you're like, oh my God, I got no one to sit with at the lunch table. So that kind of solves that problem. And then there are lots of things that you can do on a team level. So whether it's at meetings or, um, you know, there are lots of different ways that you can foster connections. So whether it's rotating who's gonna be the meeting leader, right? So you kind of move that around the group Everybody gets to know that individual on a very different level in the way that you lead the meeting. Um, a very obvious one is when you start meetings with personal stories. You know, what, what, did, you, what did you do over the weekend? Um, I like uh, this idea because this ties directly to happiness and to connections is you have a meeting called small wins Meeting or a work in progress meeting where people can share A, what they're working on, B, they can share how they're progressing and progress is a very important aspect of happiness. So once you feel that you're making progress towards something, that goes to your day-to-day happiness. And by sharing it in a meeting, everybody knows what everybody else is working on and that goes to continue to foster those connections. So I could go on and on about stuff that people can do in team meetings, but like there's very specific things that you need to do in order to foster the connections.
0: Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. Yes, I want you, I actually do want you to go on and on because I do think you're I want to ask you this question. I've, I've been uh, bouncing it around for the last couple of months. It's interesting because, um, if, if happiness leads to productivity, mm-hmm. which it does, right. Then I've, I've heard people say, you know, at the beginning of a meeting, when I'm going to spend, I don't know, five, 10, 15 minutes of that meeting, connecting with people on my team, building friendships on my team. Yeah. They, they say they do that and then they get to work. Isn't? Isn't? Then would you say that building connections on your team is work? Like it is the work? Certainly it's part of the work,
1: right? Because um, in order to be an effective team and in order to be a high performing team and in order to be highly collaborative, you need to have those connections. So it's not... It's not separate. It seemed, it should be like weaved together because, in order, like a team that's kind of firing on all cylinders is a team that knows each other, right? You have psychological safety. People feel safe to make mistakes. People feel safe to ask questions and do all that. And all of that comes, all of that trust and resilience, all of that comes as a result of exactly that. Those first 10 minutes of the meeting where people are sharing what they did over the weekend and people are actually starting to get to know each other. So it's all one in the same, a hundred percent.
0: Beautiful. All right. Friendship, he says, number one, what would you, what would you say is number two in order to increase happiness at work?
1: So in order to increase happiness at work specifically, um, I usually start at this point and I say that, No matter what you do, no matter what your job is, doesn't matter what it is, your work needs to have two things in order to have, in order to start to generate this level of happiness. The first thing is, is that you have to feel that your success is earned. Right. So, you know, like that's pretty obvious, right? We have to feel that we're deserving of the job that we have. But within an organization, that idea that your success is earned plays out a little bit differently. So, it's you have to feel that you work someplace where there's not arbitrary promotions, that people are all being treated fairly and equitably, right? And it's a very transparent system. So, That's the first thing. So you need to feel that your success is earned. You need to feel that you work at a place that your success will be earned. And the second thing is you need to feel that you are doing something that other people cannot do for themselves. So you... what. Ever it is, you are doing something that someone else would not be able to do for themselves. So that can go from anything to solving, you know, a medical problem, right? That obviously we can't do because we don't have that. Or it can go down to something much more tangible that you work in a retail store and you help your customers feel more beautiful, right? You, you are teaching them how they can improve their appearance by buying this beautiful pair of sunglasses or whatever it is you are doing something that other people could not do for themselves
0: wow so let's just take it an accountant so if I'm an accountant right that okay so that i can um i can do numbers that someone else can't do and so- well,
1: or or you're facilitating so that people can then go out and start a business or people mm. can then go out and buy a home. You're making all of this possible and feasible for these consumers or for your clients. And the truth is, I say this all the time about happiness, is that happiness is sort of like a, a buffet or a smorgasbord, right? You take what resonates for you. So, for example, just even this accountant example that you were talking about, I took it in a different way, right? I I said that um, you are creating opportunities for clients and you took it in a very different way. It doesn't matter how you take it. So long as you find something as the accountant or as the real estate broker, you know, that you're creating something for somebody else that they could not otherwise do, you then, you know, this is really essentially finding purpose in your work. I just hit at it from a different angle because I I feel like the word purpose is very overused Overused. and very difficult, right? And it's difficult to kind of like give it meaning so that's how i do it
0: yeah i love that so that you that you know that you're doing something for somebody else that they couldn't do for themselves right yeah that's good for leaders and managers out there
1: okay we got
0: friends we got friendship i'm gonna i just want to keep going on this because these are really great ideas we've got friendship we have um making sure you can do something for someone else that they can't do for themselves what else uh would you add for happiness at happiness at at work
1: So um, there are two more that that come to my brain right now. There's infinitely more, but let's just do two more. Mm-hmm. Um, One is this idea. I think that corporate America really does itself an injustice in many ways, but specifically in this way, in that like performance reviews and all of these kind of assessments and all these things, they're always looking for areas of opportunity right? Where can we start to get better? What are the areas that we can grow? And I think that we all become obsessed with this notion of what are my weaknesses and how do I fix my weaknesses? Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is in order to have happiness at work, you need to figure out the stuff that you are great at and you need to do that stuff every single day. So if you hate doing spreadsheets, don't make yourself crazy that you have to become this Excel mastermind. That's never going to bring you happiness at work. You might be great at doing something entirely differently, and you need to tap into that, and you need to do that every single day. So you need to do the stuff that you're good at every single day. Sounds simple, but I think that m- many of us forget about that. So that's 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 the second thing I would say. Um. So the first one was kind of figuring out that your success was earned, And that you had, you were doing something for other people. So then the other one is tapping into your strengths and doing them every single day. And the third one, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, is, uh, and this is generating happiness, how to generate happiness at work on a very day to day basis, is this idea that you're making progress. So I think that we're all very consumed with having goals and, you know, we need to hit these huge markers and whatever they are. And that's great. We do need to have that. Absolutely. But more important to generate happiness on a day-to-day basis is this idea that we're making progress, that we're working towards something. So, you know, and I'm sure you've had a day like this because we all have days like this, me included, when you look back at the end of the day and you're like, God, what did I do today? (laughs) You know, I did I spend my whole day doing emails and like responding, right? And that is the opposite of this idea that you're making progress. So we all need to find time in our day to feel that we're making progress towards those goals. So whether that's finding time to do deep work, whatever it is, but really the essence of it is this idea of tapping into small wins, appreciating what you've done on a daily basis that moves you forward. So that would be like three really good things that I would tap into.
0: Those, yeah, those are, are really great ideas. Now, do you, do people measure their level of happiness? Have you seen companies measure their level of happiness and then determine that that's their rock that they're going to look at to, um, to judge productivity as opposed to looking at productivity and going backwards? Yeah.
1: So there's a there's a huge movement now, I would say probably in the last ten years around it might not necessarily be, you know, there's lots of words for happiness and corporate America likes to change, you know. So they'll say things like engagement, um, and now there's a huge movement around um mental well being at work, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like come out of our post pandemic world. But yes, there are surveys that can be done. There are ways that you can measure levels. I mean, Gallup has been doing this forever, but individual organizations are now taking this much, much more seriously, especially in light of talent retention, right? Because you know that when people are happier at work, they're A, more likely to stay in their job, B, more likely to recommend their job. And even if they decide to leave their job, they're still going to recommend that organization, right? Because they were happier at work. So there's so many levels and so many reasons why organizations need to measure it. And I think it's finally starting to catch on.
0: I wanted to uh, just end our talk about your talk. You had a TEDx talk and I wanted to, I wanted you to walk us through, first of all, you know, let us know what your TEDx talk is about so that we, you know, rush to go watch it. And um, I would love for you to kind of share with us your happiness journey on doing a TED talk. Cause I know, I actually don't know personally, but I, I just uh, spent a whole day at TEDx San Diego volunteering the whole day. I'm sure that the happiness spiral let's, yeah. or the ups and downs of it, cause I'm sure yeah. it is, Oh, I'm going to do a TED talk. Oh, this sucks. Just walk yeah. us through that happiness journey for yourself, Jessica.
1: So it is not easy to get a TEDx, right? As you can imagine, it takes lots of, um, as everything does, grit and hard work. So, um, you know, I started the journey at, oh, I think this would be a great idea. I would love to do this. I'm a speaker. So it's like, it comes very naturally to me. That's actually the work that. I love to do the most. So for me, that was like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity for me. So then it becomes, how on earth am I going to make this happen? And it's this huge, overwhelming sea of information because there are lots and lots of TEDx talks, but it's a question of A, how do you find them? B, not all of your, like your necessarily areas of expertise doesn't necessarily mesh with, you know, a particular event. So like TEDx San Diego, I don't know what the theme of the event was, but my happiness talk might not have necessarily been the right match, right? So at that point, the happiness dips.
0: Yes. (laughs) Because you say to
1: yourself, right? You say to yourself, oh my God, what am I doing? They're never gonna pick me. Thousands of applications. I don't even know where to begin. Um but then at that point you have to really kind of dig into the muscle and Apply to as many talks as you possibly can, Um, and that takes lots of research and lots of hours of finding the appropriate ones, looking all over the place. You know, there are talks that happen, honestly, globally. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you kind of send off these applications and these videos, and you just have to hope that somebody somewhere will see it. Uh so that's that's how it works and then of course once you actually get it which is amazing then you're like oh my god i actually have to do this now you know like yes. what am i going to say on that big red circle so it is for sure a roller coaster of emotions but um i loved it it was fabulous so my tedx talks was is entitled um happiness it's an inside job And you can find it just by Googling it. It's on YouTube and it's on the TED site. So yeah.
0: And where did you, um, where did you give your talk?
1: I actually did it in Toronto. It was at TEDx McMaster, which is a university in
0: Toronto. Great. Okay. So uh, just to close, how can we find your TEDx talk and how can we find you?
1: So I, all of my stuff lives on uh, jessicaweiss.com you know, my social media. I am the Jessica Weiss on Instagram and the Jessica Weiss on TikTok. You should, you know, forgive the expression. And um, yes. my, my TEDx talk, you can find it. I have a link on my website to get to it there, but you can find it on YouTube or through the, the official TED site. But um, yeah, everything lives on JessicaWeiss.com.
0: All right. So we're speaking to you, the Jessica Weiss. Thank you, Jessica, so much. You got it. These are some really great takeaways, both individually and as a team leader and a team member and an owner of a company about how to really spur internal happiness for the purpose of people actually having internal happiness. And the result is you're going to have people who are more productive and your results will get better. So thank you so much. If you've enjoyed this episode of Team Anywhere, I want you to Definitely share this because it'll make your friends happy. It'll make your colleagues happy. (laughs) Um, It'll make um, all the people in your life very, very happy. So, um, from Team Anywhere, thank you so much. Thank you, Jessica. And we'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow and by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.